You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to The Hungry Soul podcast with your host, Rachel Foy, and today we are on episode 46. So before we get stuck in with today's gorgeous guest, I just want to first of all say a happy new year to all of you lovely listeners out there and apologies for my croaky voice because I've actually spent the last 10 days not feeling 100% which is not the best start to a brand new year, however it has given me something that I really really want to share with you. I realised that there's so much pressure when we are going into a new year isn't there, it's like so many people talk about having done their vision boards and they've got their goals ready and they know what word they want to embody and and kind of use in this brand new year. And I've gone into 2018 with none of that. I haven't yet got my shit together. I don't know what 2018 has got in store for me. I've got no goals as such. I don't really know what, what my vision is. But do you know what? I'm feeling totally okay with it because I realised that one thing for certain that I want to embrace more in this new year is to not have as much pressure on myself as I have in the past, which really means just, I suppose, relaxing a bit more and surrendering to what is and really just tuning into that place of, does it make me feel good? And I know that this last 10 days or so of not feeling 100% where I lost my voice, I was in bed for three days, it just gave me that space to just be. And if that's the one thing that I can just share with you and invite you to do the same for this year is how can you create more space to just be? Because I think when we have too many things that we're putting on top of ourselves and we put too much pressure on ourselves to get things perfect, we inevitably don't live up to those ridiculous expectations and then we feel rubbish. So how can you have a bit more fun this year? How can you take the pressure off yourself? How can you actually turn this more into a bit of a game? Like, how can you embrace 2018 as being something that you just have fun with and just enjoy? Because that's the whole point as to why we're here, isn't it? So, on that note, I want to introduce you now to our brand new guest. So, this is the gorgeous Liana Silva. Now, I reached out to Liana towards the end of last year and I was really hoping that she'd say, yes, I want to be on your podcast, and she did, so I was jumping up and down with excitement because as you hear this interview, you are are going to appreciate why I really wanted to get her on the show. So, Liana is a coach, she's a teacher, she's a speaker, and she helps women find the full expression of their feminine strength in work, love and life. And her offerings include her mentorship program, which is called Woman, the Embodiment Experience, and also her online course, Ignite Your Feminine Genius. Now, the other thing that Liana is known for, and this is actually how I came across her last year, is she is an author of an incredible book called Feminine Genius, The Provocative Path to Waking Up and Turning on the Wisdom of Being a Woman. Now, I talk about the book in this interview with her very, very soon, but this is honestly one of the best books I've, that I've ever read. So if you are really curious about the whole feminine genius, feminine wisdom, how you can step into that divine sacred feminine energy, then Liana is your woman. 
So her work has been featured in Huffington Post and Forbes. And when she's not doing all those incredible things in the world, she likes to dance, she paints, she's very creative. And she loves to make her home a home for herself, her husband and her little boy. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you the gorgeous Liana Silva. And you're listening to the Hungry Soul podcast. And this is episode 46. So then, here she is, the lovely Liana Silva. Good afternoon to you. Hello, so happy to be here. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I'm just really excited to connect with you. I, I'm really, I don't know much about what you're doing and I, it feels great. It feels amazing to hear about it. Awesome. Yeah. I know when I contacted you a little while ago and you were straight away, soul-fed woman, hungry soul, it sounds like I'm on the same page. We need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. Right then, so before we delve into some really amazing topics, and I know that everybody watching and listening right now is going to get so much out of this interview, um, do you want to just give yourself a quick introduction, Liana, as to who you are and what you're all about? Sure. I, uh, goodness, there's always so many places I could start. I would say that one of the most interesting pieces of my journey has been which I feel is a piece of so many women, women's journeys and girls' journeys. I wouldn't speak for every one, but that at a certain point, um, you know, after doing very well in school and being valedictorian, getting a scholarship to a, a, a school to study dance and going on the path of, of studying dance and trying to be a professional dancer, at one point it kind of dawned on me that I wasn't very kind to myself. That there was a kind of internal war that was going on. So I'd say there's two dawnings. One was, oh, there's a war going on. And it's, it's brutal. And it took the form of eating disorders and just a lot of, of self-criticism and restriction, et cetera. So that was, that was remarkable to see. But then the second thing that was remarkable to see was that I was proud of the war. Mm-hmm. I did actually want certain parts of me to go away or to lose the fight. I considered parts of myself that would, were in the way of my dreams that would stop me from feeling valuable or worthwhile or lovable, and I wanted to squash them or vanquish them or cut them out or whatever I had to do. And um, a mentor of mine at a certain point said, but if you're at war with yourself and you win, who loses? And I thought, well, the parts of me that I don't want to, don't want to have around, that's who loses. <laughs> but yeah. I had a deeper um, inquiry into that. And I thought, but if any part of me loses, all of me loses. Actually, we are one whole organism. <laughs> and if you cut out part, you do damage to the whole. There is no way to win this war. Yeah. So how do I make peace, you know, inner peace, outer peace, actually like who I am, feel comfortable in this skin, Maybe there's these parts that I've been hiding away and stuffing down that might have, maybe they're wise. Maybe they're not totally a liability or, or weak and unlovable, but maybe there's wisdom and power there, just maybe. And that has been an amazing trajectory. And to me, that is the path of feminine genius. That's a path of soul. And I love, you know, we'll get into all that as we go. So that feels like the most, um, I think that's the, the heart of why I wrote this book, why we're here today, yeah. you know, kind of what I'm up to. 
Absolutely, the heart and the essence. And I'm so glad that you mentioned your book because as if by magic, here it is. So just to quickly explain, actually, <laughs> promoting it. Um, I, I actually read your book, um, Liana, a little while ago. For anyone that doesn't know, it's called Feminine Genius, um, Waking Up and Turning on the Wisdom of Being a Woman. And I honestly could not put it down. So I want to kind of say right now, this is one of the most amazing books that I've ever read. And I've read so much to do with like, you know, feminine feminine wisdom and intuition and, and soul stuff and and honestly this is a book that I wish that I'd written myself <laughs> so definitely go out and get this book everyone so speaking about this feminine genius what's your definition of feminine genius because it was the, the name in itself just it means so much to me but I'm curious as to what the essence of feminine genius is for you so I I think there is something that perks up our ears or transmits, and maybe it has something to do with pairing a, a, a word feminine and everything that we make that to mean, all the good and the bad, with something of genius, which is, uh, you know, such a strong and powerful and often reserved for the intellect. So I like the pairing of the two. I like the paradox of it. But the definition, you know, just in simple terms, feminine genius feels to me a set or a, a mix of our, of certain strengths that we have, our intuition, uh, feeling, emotions, the fact that we cycle and go up and down, our sensuality, our ability to connect and collaborate and to receive, all of these qualities, which for the most part, we either go to war with or the world at large goes to war with that we think are liabilities, but are actually incredible strengths. And I feel that feminine genius is something that it's an energy, it's life force energy. You can't think it, you can think about it, but you ultimately feel it in your body. It is a bodily experience. You feel it through your sensations and emotions and intuition. And to me, you know, feminine genius is the path of soul, but I don't think you can have a conversation about spirituality, uh, disembodied spirituality. When you're speaking of soul, the soul demands you be in your body. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I, that, yes. that connection between like the embody, embodiment and kind of soul speak, they do go together, don't they? And I think sometimes, mm -hmm. certainly from some of the people that I've, I've worked with and spoken to, we can have this perception of soul stuff being quite like woo woo and spiritual and it's not really kind of a tangible thing, but it is because like you said, it's actually within us, it's within our bodies, but many of us were not embodied. So there's the, there's the challenge straight away. <laughs> straight away. <laughs> straight away. Straight away. So you said then about the, um, that's, that's your definition of like a feminine genius. How much of this work for you has been I want to say quite intuitive because you mentioned then about not using your, your, your intellect as much. So how much of the work that you now do has become very intuitive for you as in it's just kind of happening and how much of it is that you have to kind of almost think about it in order for it to happen, if that makes sense? Absolutely. So this is just my designation, but if we talk about the intellect of thinking, of reason, of hierarchical order, spreadsheets, you know, mm -hmm. mathematics, et cetera, um, or even reasoning out a problem, I would call that masculine genius. It's just a nice designation. And I'm, I'm all for it. I love my masculine essences and strengths. They're strengths. And as a world, 
and and as individuals we we have like overdeveloped masculine muscles and so we suffer so really to me it's a balance i love my masculine genius parts i love my feminine genius parts but feminine genius is um so you know when you're maybe in the summer walking on the street and you hear a hint of a song pass coming from a open car window and you can almost almost just hear the bass can't hear the lyrics you can't hear the upper notes you just hear the bass that is a really nice analogy for me of how we sense and feel feminine genius it is it's got a, a lower frequency it's often slower it's in the body and the mind mental often masculine genius things are quicker and louder and insistent yeah. so part of it is learning to find the feminine genius parts how do we sense them how do we listen and listening to them first listen to our feelings and our intuitive voices and our inner knowing and all that first so we can really strengthen those those muscles so to speak mm -hmm. and including all of our masculine genius stuff later but just reversing the order and that to me starts to really feel very balanced and very alive I know you say in your book, actually, you talk a lot about allowing your your feelings and your emotions to be this wisdom that we don't we don't reject and we don't kind of turn our backs on. And we actually start to get comfortable by, you know, sitting with them and actually allowing them to be felt in our body. Um, and I know you also say in your book that that was something that you never did for quite a long time, as did I. It was, oh, I don't want to feel that. I'm just going to ignore it. Hope it goes away. <laughs> so. <laughs> so so what kind of changed for you? Like how, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of people watching and listening now, they will have certain things that come up within their body that they are very scared of and they don't want to embrace it, whether it's fear or anxiety or worry or whatever it could be. How did you start to make that transition of becoming curious and, and actually evolving to, to be the woman that you are right now? Like what, what did you start doing? So the the idea to me that all parts of us love us or all parts of us have a positive intention for us they're not um looking to sabotage us or hurt us or kill us right like no part of us actually is looking to do that that idea is fairly radical it's been part of a lot of the training that I've been in. So there was a period of my life where I was kind of physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, like really sick. So I had a lot of emotions. And um, I mean, we could just pick one, you know, any of them. I just, I thought, wow, okay, I really hold this stance for other people, for my clients, for my friends, that there is no part of them that is misbehaving or broken, that there's so much wisdom here. I probably should turn that line of thinking on myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was really that. Also, I will say that just in studying how, you know, humans feel and, and make meaning and change and a mentor of mine had also told me that um, emotions have a lifespan that's fairly short. It's a couple minutes. It's like two or three minutes. It could be a little bit longer, but it's not infinity. Um, so I just thought, if you use the word curiosity, and I think curiosity is probably one of the, the best um, tails of the tiger to hold on and let, let carry you, 
into your life. And so I just thought, let me just get curious. Maybe I think I could stay alive for two or three minutes <laughs> with this emotion um, and see if there's something wise in it. Mm. And if it isn't out to kill me, if it isn't out to, um, you know, if I, if I can't handle it or something, like what's on the other side of this? Um, and I, you know, there's great bodies of work on this. I think this is the heart of human suffering is that we don't know how to feel our feelings and we don't know why feelings are here, which is actually to tell us something, to Absolutely. remind us of a boundary, to point us in our next direction or take, have, our have us take our next step, learn something important about who we are, help us actually be more comfortable in our bodies. Um, and that's a, I think I have, you know, I have the soul of a, I kind of don't shy away from intense things. I guess I'm kind of an intense person. So maybe I had that going for me. I'm remembering for some odd reason, if you're maybe 40 and above like me, you would know this reference and maybe from the US. So there's this, this show called, um, Oh man, it was kind of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon of the 70s, but um, it was this white man who'd studied with a, a Asian master to be like a, it was called Kung Fu. So there's this scene of him in the beginning where he, he has to pick up this um, stone bowl that's been, has hot coals in it. Um, and on either side of the bowl is uh, these brands. And so essentially he's getting tattoos on his side. It's like his last thing before he becomes a Kung Fu master and goes out into the world and picks him up and like carries the steaming hot bowl out into the snow and then he gets his bed. It's like really intense. I don't know, for some reason I thought of it. Um, <laughs> so I'm not looking to, anymore I'm not looking to go to war and, and hurt myself, but I still think I'm like, I'm kind of interested in why, you know, what's on the other side of that intensity. Yeah, and I think it's also about reframing what emotions are, isn't it? Like I, I often refer to our, our inner world to, from an emotional and like um, a feeling point of view that it's this, it's an internal compass that's that's guiding us and it's directing well us and it's showing us and it's, you know, helping kind of turn the light on sometimes to the things that we're just consciously not, not seeing. And I think, you know, and from my experience, very similar as, as to yours, for such a long time, I was just numb to it and I didn't want to go there. Whereas now, like you said, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. I want to feel everything. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> but I would say too, um, that, that if you're not quite maybe, you know, indoctrinated or like drinking the juice, like you and me, um, yet that, you know, really just the idea to feel it. Yeah a few seconds more today than yesterday, you're still, you're still doing great. Absolutely. Honestly. So that's, that, that's also what embodiment is, isn't it? When you talk about, you know, the feminine genius, I talk about the soul fed woman. It's like the essence of actually just switching it all on and, and, and listening and, and actually being honest with ourselves. Cause I think that's also a massive part of this conversation is to start being truthful and owning the things that we're recognizing within ourselves. Mm, well said. Mm. So I want to pick, I want to pick something out of your book. I could kind of pick it like this, but actually <laughs> I would like to know, um, out of all of the topics that you spoke about, one that really interested me, because I'd never really, I suppose, thought about it like that before, was you talk a lot about the cycles in the book, like the cycles mm -hmm. of feminine genius and like the essence of what that means. And that was 
really interesting because it made so much sense that we do work in cycles and therefore our our essence and our genius works in cycles too so do you mind just sharing a little bit about that as to what you what you understand oh yeah you know it comes out of me wishing and trying to be on all the time and in a world that expects that we should be focused and productive and you know able to to produce and be outward focused all the time that's just a, a constant state and um, that feels to me like a more masculine way of doing things. I don't think that men also do that, but it's, it's an idea that everything should be steady and constant all the time. So I learned this from you know, several of my friends who this is their life's work, but it's kind of pointed out to me that the cycle that a woman's body can go through, might not at certain points in her life, but that the hormonal cocktail we have is built to have our bike, our bodies go in cycles. Mm -hmm. It's built to make our bodies and energy and focus fluctuate rather than regulate. It's built in biologically. Now, mostly I used to think that that was just a problem or a mistake. And there's lots of little white pills you can take or big cups of coffee you can take to help with that. But again, if we look at this wisdom, you know, the natural world goes through a cycle through the four seasons and so do our bodies and so does the cycle of creativity something you know starts it blooms it wanes and it goes into a fertile void period and um i that it's it's taken me a while to understand how to apply that because i have a kid i have a demanding life i have you know places i have to be at certain points so i don't always get to um you know just lay back when I need to lay back. Um, but what I, what I feel like is so wise is that there are, there are periods of, of our month or even of our days that are designed for us to be outward focused, to be able to give to the world, give to others and kind of strut our stuff. And then there are periods of time that are designed for us to be inward focusing, to give to ourselves or to allow other people to, to give to us. And if we can align our energies over the month or even over the day with that, we're actually more productive because we're not spinning our wheels. Yeah. But I think the most important thing about this is that it feels maybe alignment is a good word or congruous or in the flow or in the zone. Those are good words that you're actually working in, in sync with this amazing life force energy rather than just struggling with it all the time. And mm -hmm. that, that feel, I mean, it feels good to be in the flow, right? You know, when you're in your zone, when you're on a run, if you're a runner or if you're painting, if you're a painter, if you're cooking, if you're a cook, whatever, you know, that is, that's divine energy in you kind of in that dance at that moment. And that's what it allows us to do is really like slot in to yeah. this energy that's coming through us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a powerful one to, to inhabit our cycles. Yeah. And also kind of, do you think there's an element there of um, the thing that's popped in my head as you're talking is I have for years been a perfectionist and I know some people say that they're recovering or they're a recovered perfectionist. Can we ever fully recover? I'm not sure. But I know that a lot of the stuff that I've done with myself and for myself is just about permission, you know, permission to not be perfect, permission to, to stop that thing or to do more of that thing. And, and when I read about the cycles in the book, 
it kind of gave me that permission to be like, okay, so some days I'm going to be right up here with productivity and energy. And some days I'm going to be down here and that's actually totally fine. That's, that's okay for me. So that kind of element of anyone maybe listening who is a bit of a perfectionist and is expecting to be up here all the time. It's about embracing that the cycle, isn't it? Of actually what's going on within them. You know, not that we want to get sidetracked, but I thought a lot about perfectionism because of course I am, was one. And I think there are different, there are different things we're speaking to. I think the, the kind of perfectionism that kills us is that there is an ideal that we have in our own minds or that someone else has said, this is the ideal, how you should look, how you should work, how you should be, how you should friend, whatever. And that the distance between where we are and that ideal, that's where we suffer. So that's the part of perfectionism, I think, where we suffer. But you spoke to this too. I feel like there, a lot of us are, are racehorses, you know, we're like built to, to run and to flex our muscles and to, you know, feel powerful. And that part is more like a pursuit of excellence or, you know, just really flexing our muscles. And so then if you, you know, work with your cycles, there's a whole two week period of your cycle, your menstrual cycle, if you're, if you're cycling that way, that's built for you to run and be in excellence. So, you know, we can kind of say, we're going to give ourselves permission to not do that sometimes, but really, you know, inhabit that part of our, we'll call it excellent seeking that other part. I like that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent seeking. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> me. I'm, I'm the racehorse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Charging. So kind of carrying on then from that to do with obviously cycles, you're talking about um, the feminine genius and the essence of this. And I, I, can, I want to ask you a personal question now. How have you managed to, I suppose, put into practice everything that you've discovered and learned about and experienced without things like guilt coming in because you're a mum you know without things coming in that maybe you've kind of deprioritized yourself because I know that you know a lot of the stuff that you talk about in here it is about making the space and creating the time and allowing yourself to start reconnecting back to your to your truth to, to who you really mm -hmm. are and I know that I've struggled with guilt and I still do sometimes if I want to take time off on my own and leave everybody at home. I know a lot of my listeners do. So how do you juggle that? How do you find that balance between being a mom and a business owner, um, an author, and also having this essence where you need to dedicate time and space to it? Mm. Um, so one thing I heard from an author um, who I love, Glennon Doyle Melton, who said, you know, people speak of mommy guilt, or maybe this probably could be applied to any kind of guilt. And she's like, it's not guilt that, you know, when you go off to your class and you're not spending time with your kids, she's like, that's not guilt, that's love. <laughs> so I, I really like that. And I, I, I applied that in this sense of, so we love them and we want to spend time with them. And we're choosing to also, uh, you know, help, help ourselves do self-care. Um, so I think that reframe that mm. I'm not, there's not something wrong, actually, that I can just really rest in the love that I have for everything in my life and still take care of myself. Practically, practically, I think I have my eye on um, little micro areas and macro areas 
so meaning micro areas might be uh, leaving a little space between appointments. Uh, the discipline to not pick up my phone or check my phone going from that appointment to the car or there. Just like, actually, there's a very full world that I can enjoy. There's the breeze, there's leaves are turning here in my part of the world, yeah. uh, you know, to be in the sensual experience of the now. Um, to, you know, get in the bath with my son, you know, whatever it is, this little micro moments with where I'm focusing on the quality of slowing down, of adding space or, uh, or noticing the set, bringing my senses more alive in the moment. Mm. And then macro moments, I mean, I, I don't know if this is available to everyone, but I do, you know, I do take a day for myself. I've just recently, I mean, it's not that I don't always do this, but this, I did a five-day retreat with no technology and uh, it was in a beautiful natural setting with a group of, I don't know, 25 other women. It was profound. It was a deep reset, deep soul reset and deep reset of the value of slowing down and having that in our lives. So I think that, I mean, that's a little bit practically. I think the idea that really helps me with this is I almost think of it like my thermometer. I call mm -hmm. it my, my like turn on thermometer. And by turn on, I mean, you know, do I feel lit up? Do I feel alive? Do I feel that inner fire? Do I feel my senses are more available? Do I, can I, am I funny? Like, do I have access to my humor? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, things could suck, but you could still find the humor yeah. laughing at it or with it or at yourself or with yourself. And so that's really been a guide for me of rather than mentally thinking, how many hours does my son go to preschool or, you know, do I get to go to that class or this class or it's, it's like a, okay, I tried that class that I come back more lit up or more dimmed down, lit up, it stays, Yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, that it's another way to align with that incredible feminine genius, life force energy. And that, if I'm a, if a, that's my thermometer and I'm choosing and making decisions based on that, it's super powerful. Do you think a woman who is missing in her own life is going to find it really difficult to tune into her feminine genius? Who's missing in her own life? Yeah. You know, Same as in like she's kind of become somebody to everyone but herself. She has no space for her. She doesn't do anything for herself. Um, kind of picture the, you know, the doer, doer, doers, where they're just busy, busy, busy. Do you think that kind of place to be in, because I was in that place a few years ago, do you think it's going to be more difficult for that person to tune into the feminine genius? So great question. I've certainly been there as well. Um, do you think it just depends on her level of desire? Mm, okay. I mean... Uh, I think the last thing I would ever want to give to a woman is another thing to put on her to-do list, which is now go find your feminine genius, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think the, we want to find the quickest and most delicious pathway for that woman to connect back to herself. And if mm -hmm. that, if that means, <clears throat> excuse me, if that means a very wonderful three minute meditation 
great. If that means a total revamp of her life and her self-care and her job and her relationship, I mean, we don't want to have to, we don't want to wait for that. So yes, I mean, someone who has built a life around not feeling themselves and abandoning themselves over and over again, you know, yeah, rather than someone who's looking to really connect. Mm. Um, But I still think if the desire is there, this is in every woman, this is hardwired in, this is available to everyone. There's no, it doesn't, we don't even know how long or how short this takes. So yeah, that's going to be encouraging. Yeah. And I must say, actually, as you're, as you're saying that, just to kind of carry on what you're you're explaining there, something that I found quite remarkable as I was reading your book was it was kind of like, I knew it, but I didn't know it. Like there was just that kind of inner knowing of everything that you talk about. There was a part of me going, you know, this, like it's so deeply ingrained on such a, like a cellular ancestral feminine genius level that it was, it was quite fascinating. I can't, I can't quite articulate it, but just with you saying that there, it's like, we kind of know this, but it's like, we've forgotten. So really this is about, as you say, it's about switching it back on again, that we might not need to go seeking and searching for years and years, small tweaks and small moments of just intention and dedication could probably go quite a long way to just tuning back in, couldn't it? Well, it's beautiful. And you know, if I had um, one hope, it would be that, that, did transmit through this book that we do know this, we were born knowing it, we've definitely forgotten. But, you know, for whoever is listening, it's the same thing that got them here to listen to you and me today. Yeah. That's that same, they, you knew to listen to this podcast on this day. Yeah. And it's the same essence that we're, we're, we're just turning the dial up on. So Absolutely. well said. Um, few more things before we kind of slowly wrap up already I want to ask you about you talk about appreciation in the book and I loved how you explain that for you appreciation is something that you you go to it's one of your if I'm in doubt about something if I'm worried about something um can you explain what you mean about appreciation because it really I I felt it as as I was reading I thought that makes so much sense so what is it about appreciation for you that's a big part of the feminine genius well I think when we're talking about embracing our feminine, we can feel very out of control. Most of us are very overdeveloped in our masculine because that's the way we feel like we have control over our lives. Mm -hmm. And then if I dive into my sensuality and my feelings and my emotion and my intuition, it feels totally out of control. So appreciation feels to me like we zero in on the only two things we actually have control over in our lives, as far as I can tell which is what we are focusing on or what are putting our awareness on and the quality of that awareness. And that everything else is kind of, you know, it's like we're partnered <laughs> with, with life and it, and it goes and it flows. So what I mean by that is just take, for example, the way you might look at yourself in the mirror. You know, what are you focusing on? Which body part? Uh, yes. Are you looking at your energy? Are you kind of zeroing in on body part? And then what's the quality of that focus? Mm. Are you able to see the, uh, the way the light hits it and the quality of your radiance or the sparkle that comes through your eyes? Or are you, you know, trashing and saying that's bigger than it was last year? Or uh, that reminds me of my mother or I'm getting older. Mm. How, you know, any of that. And so... Uh, 
this also feels one of these like these profound human truths that um, we think that this is just that that no one can really tell the quality of our thoughts or the quality of our focus, but we are deeply affected by that. Yeah. So if I am having a conversation with you and in the background kind of doing anti-appreciation, judging, finding fault, mm. on some level you will feel it. And if you're a super sensitive person, you probably won't feel as articulate. You'll probably feel like your energy is shrinking and feel worse about yourself. Nobody's really meaning to do anything and our words might not even uh, belie that but we have this effect on each other and on ourselves. So I just feel like it's a great practice to mm. when we would want to denigrate, we would want to, you know, point out our flaws to ourselves that we could actually appreciate. We could notice what is already good. We could notice what is praiseworthy. We could notice the, the quality of it. In essence, we, we say, I've been conditioned to notice what is bad, like I've got bad glasses on, and I could just put those down and put on like what is good. This is there's huge resistance in us. Yeah. I think because we think if we, if we notice good things, we won't change the things that we want to change. Yeah. But who changes by being beat up about it, right? We know this doesn't work in our parenting. Mm -hmm. We know this doesn't work with our friendships. We know this doesn't work with ourselves. So this is one of those, yeah, yeah, of one of those, this to me is the essence of self-love. It doesn't matter to me if you take a bath. It matters to me how you're, if you're appreciating yourself as you're taking a bath. Absolutely. And kind of that stop the the future, the future tripping in a way, as in I will appreciate myself when I'm slimmer, when I'm more successful, when I'm more wealthy, when I've got a partner, da 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 They're kind of bringing it back into the moment, isn't it? And just appreciating what we already are. Yes, yes. And it could be that you appreciate, so you know, you don't like your thighs, so you appreciate your arms, fine. But it also could be, so you don't usually appreciate your thighs, what can you appreciate about them? So that's another beautiful part of this. Like, so can you appreciate their strength? Can you appreciate that they remind you of your mother? Can you appreciate that they carry you from here to there? Can you appreciate the curve, you know, or the way that the light catches them? And, and this is also, you know, these are other good steps to take. Yeah, it's re retraining our focus, isn't it? And I've been practicing that actually since I read the book. <laughs> and despite my can I call it my wisdom of what I know and what I've been doing for years now, I still found that quite challenging at times that I caught myself automatically going to the thing that I didn't appreciate. And then I had to change the attention. So it just, it, it highlighted to me again, you know, there's always that next level of awareness of how we're choosing to think and speak to ourselves and and it's it's really simple but powerful thing to focus on so mm. thank you for sharing that in the book <laughs> and i will say i'm so glad that 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 landed i will say it's a practice you know it's pretty automatic that um but i still do the same thing i notice myself noticing what's not working and go oh what could i appreciate so i'm right where there with you yeah work in progress i don't think it's ever going to end <laughs> which is a good thing 
thing. I'm totally okay with that. Keep working on my stuff. So before, uh, before we wrap up, Liana, because we've actually come almost to the end of the, the episode now, um, where can people find your work on the World Wide Web? So can you direct us to your, your website, to whereabouts you are right now and what you're up to? Yeah, sure. So my website is lianasilver.com, L-I-Y-A-N-A-S-I-L-V-E-R.com. And if you decide you want the book, you can come to a page on my website, which is lianasilver.com forward slash new book. And then um, there are bonus, bonus classes and trainings, et cetera, there. It's a really beautiful page about the book. You can input your purchase information, like I don't sell the book, but you can input your purchase information wherever you got it from and then get these free bonus materials from me, which is a great way to, to deepen the, the, the book. Yeah. I also do a lot on Facebook, and so that's facebook.com slash feminine genius. And I have great conversations with people, you know, okay, we're not in the same room, but when would I get a chance to meet you from, you know, Canada or, or the UK, et cetera. So I love that platform as well. Yeah, no, the joys of modern technology. So anybody that's watching this right now on my website at The Soul Fed Woman or on YouTube, all of um, Liana's links are going to be below this video. And if you're listening on iTunes right now, get yourself right over to where Liana's just directed. And I cannot, honestly, final time, please go and get this book, everyone, because it's Mm. just so... It's so easy to read. It's so easy to digest. Liana talks so much truth in this. Um, and I know that anybody watching or listening is going to get so much out of this. So highly recommend it for me to you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on The Hungry Soul. And uh, we might arrange another conversation one day because there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> let's, let's do part two. Let's do part two. On that note, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch up very soon. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go, gorgeous. Another episode brought to you by The Hungry Soul. Now, if that conversation has got you a little bit curious about your own journey right now and how perhaps you can start helping yourself to become more self-fed, but maybe you've got no idea where to start or what that might even mean for you, don't panic. We've got some fabulous gifts for you that are all completely free. All you need to do is head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources. And over there, there's workshops, handouts, meditations, and loads of other goodies. So go and grab as many of them as you want to. Can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.